Good morning. The Bills restructured Stefan Diggs' contract, saving the team $7 million this week, giving them a cap space of abundance of $11 million, and there are rumors running rampant. One name that keeps coming up is Zach Ertz. Can he make the Bills elite? What's the compensation? Will they get a deal done? Or will the Eagles just cut up and we have competition? Either way, with my co-host today, EJ Daniels, we're going to break it down when we come right back. This is the Cold Front Report. Zach Gertz, Buffalo. Let's see what happens. What is going on, everybody? I got my guy in the building with me, EJ Daniels. E, the Bills made a cup. Man, they made a little interesting move this week. Restructuring Stefan Diggs, and it sent the uh, Twitter world on fire. We say creating seven million dollars in space, and now everybody's saying like, "Hey, what are the Bills doing? What is Brandon Bean and company doing with this money? Are they doing anything with? It? Are they rolling it over? What are they up to?" EJ, what's going on, man? How you feeling? What's going on, man? Thank you for providing me the opportunity to speak to Bills Mafia again. I feel like I haven't done it in a while after the whole uh, audio blunder with the cornerback show, man. I was, I've been salivating to get back on the mic, so I appreciate it, man. <laughs> you know, you got to stop saying thank you for giving me the opportunity. You know, you are a part of Code for Report. It is an opportunity. You're on the platform for saying that. Yeah, man, but, you know, when you give the Bills Mafia some, some knowledge or some game where you get the opportunity to talk to them, it's the, honestly – Bills Mafia might be the best fan base in the NFL, and it's a privilege might. to talk to them. No, oh, yeah. oh, oh, I mean, might. I'm just saying. I'm just saying there's other ones oh, in competition, oh, 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 oh. but in terms of actually actual passion for the team, there's no question that the Bills Mafia is probably unrivaled at this moment in time. So I, best, take, it, I take it very most, seriously. Best, most charitable, rival, second to none. Man, you know, most, Raider, charitable, most charitable, definitely. Raider fans are up there, but the Bills are definitely the most charitable. But no, man, we got some things we got to talk about with the Zach Ertz. It's a hot topic, so this is another hot topic show. We did one a couple weeks ago with Julio Jones, and uh, we wanted to break down Zach Ertz today, talk about what compensation we think is fair, what he can bring to the team, the pros and cons, and will he make Josh Allen MVP? Because I got a feeling that addition like this, at time like this, may help. So, we're going to break it down. What do you think about that, Zach Hurst? What do you think about what you heard this week? And uh, what do you think what compensation may be? So, the restructuring of Stephon Diggs' deal leads you to believe that somebody is on the Bills' radar. Um, Zach Ertz was a hot topic before they restructured his contract. Um, Zach Ertz has been a hot topic pretty much the whole offseason. And so, that was the first name that probably came to my mind. Um, as far as him actually being on the team, I, I think he would definitely be an addition to the team. If you look, um, he's going to be 31 when the season uh, gets kicking and gets rolling around. Um, he's coming off injury, has an extensive injury history. That's the only thing that kind of, you know, worries me about him. But if you were to tell me that Zach Ertz was healthy and Zach Ertz would be in a position to contribute, I'd say I'd be all for this move. You know, if he can just, you know, give the Bills, you know, some easy first downs, give Josh Allen some easy completion. So, my personal belief is that I would love to see Josh to run less. And I think if you have a target like Zach Ertz, he can provide that for you. He's a chain mover. He can work really well through zones. And the Bills run a lot of crossing routes, and he works really well on crossing routes too. So if Zach Ertz is healthy and motivated, the Bills should definitely pull the trigger on this move. Definitely. If it's for $8 million, I do it. 
And that is the fee, uh, the, the cost of them. It's going to be about $8 million added to the team. And, and that's why I think Bills fans and Twitter ran rampant and said, hey, is this a move for Zach Ertz? Because, like you alluded to, this has been chatter that we've had for months now, before the draft. At this point, I guess we have to ask the question, is Brandon Bean and Brandon, Sean McDermott okay with going to the season with $3 million? Now, I personally think that there's a lot of money on that defensive line that's tied up that at the end, it's they're going to get rid of somebody to free up more mm-hmm. cash space because, like I said before in other shows, they like to roll over five to seven million dollars a year. And now that we have the estimated cap space of 2022, it gives them a much clearer picture of what which route they want, which route they want to go and what they want to do. But then we also have to talk about the effect on Dawson Knox, the confidence level in Dawson Knox, and we still have Jacob Hollister, who mm-hmm. actually by the numbers last year was pretty solid as not only a pass catcher but a blocker. So I want to talk to you about the scheme fit first and then the confidence level in Dawson Knox. Dawson had a very interesting point this week about in his in his first pressure of the year, we'll say, about coming in here and, and playing and competing. Of course, you knew the question came up with Zach Ertz. And this is what he had to say as we'll play this clip from the Bills. Well, we think starting tight end Dawson Knox. That's my number one focus. You know, I don't want to be dropping touchdowns, and I know no one wants to see that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I actually did a bunch of stuff in California with this. Um, I don't even know exactly what you would call him, but he's like a hand-eye trainer. He works with tons of guys across the NFL, NHL, MLB. Um, and it's just – it's crazy the different types of tools he has, whether it's catching stuff from a machine shooting ping-pong balls at you or looking at a screen and touching stuff and doing – eye movement assessments. It's really, it was really cool to learn some of the stuff that he had. And I was with him every day for about six weeks or so. Um, and he actually shipped me a bunch of stuff. I've got this, it's called Robo Pong machine where it shoots out ping balls with different curves at you and you just work on catching them. Um, so that's definitely been a big emphasis for me. So I feel like he was able to really help with that. This is guy's been in the lab working. He's been in a lab working. We know he came to the NFL with limited experience. I believe he went to Ole Miss as a quarterback. He converted the tight end. And we know the rest of the story. He didn't get many balls because he had DK Metcalf on one side and A.J. Yeah, Brown on the other. <laughs> so it wasn't many balls coming to Knox. And Elijah Moore in the slot, bro. God, <laughs> So what is your confidence level in Dawson Knox going into the season? And, and let's go over the numbers a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been notorious for banging on Dawson Knox about like how bad he is and all these egregious drops. And what kind of fed into my take on that was because McDermott was the one, and Bean for that matter, was the one who kept saying, hey, we need more you know, production out of the tight end spot. So I'm like, well, if your coach and your GM is saying, hey, we need more you know, production out of the tight end spot, I mean, I can only hold you to the same standard that your coach is, the person that sees you every day. But, you know, as I was looking through his numbers and I was I was looking through some drop numbers and just looking at the totality of his season, he actually got better towards the end of the season. So he started the first nine weeks of the year with a 60.5 PFF grade, and then he ended the year with a 62.1, the last 10 weeks of the, year, of the season, a 62.1. Uh, PFF grade and you guys may say hey well that's a small that's only a small increase but for him I would take it you know I mean any increase is good for him any 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 type of uh, incremental change for him would be good and 
as I said before to you, Jeremy, um, at the end of the year, I felt like he played a lot better. You see that David was calling a lot more things on the read option things, and he was getting a lot more targets, you know, in the short to intermediate uh, parts of the field. So I think he did enough towards the end of the season for someone to be like, you know, hey, we got some confidence in this guy. He deserves a shot. So let's see what else he can give us. This is going to be his third year, if I'm not mistaken. Third year. And this is, yep, and this is going to be the time for him to, you know, show what he can do. He uh, went from nine catchable drops to four this year. And as I, yes, and as I was saying, you know, I was been to have one, been one of the biggest proponents of banging on him for drops, but he actually improved his drops. And then another thing with the drops, people are talking about the iron target drops. I had to be kind of schooled on the drops, you know, by a PFF analyst and saying, you know, sometimes drops have to do with how your quarterback goes. Like, you know, Jerry Judy led the league in drops with 12 or a second in the league in drops with 12. And then George Kittle led all tight ends in drops with eight. So, you know, drops is kind of a thing where you're going to have to take the good with the bad, especially when you're getting as many, you know, targets as a guy like uh, Kittle is getting. But when a guy like Dawson Knox is getting, you know, a smaller target share, those on-target drops hurt a lot more. And then when your coach comes out and says, hey, we need more production from the tight end spot, that kind of hurts a little bit too. So I think we should, like you said, Jeremy, we should be patient, you know, work with him. He has a lot of upside, and I think that if we just – be patient, the coaching staff be patient. I think they might have a very serviceable tight end on their hands. I guess I look at it this way, and, and this is something that I've been thinking about in my own head for quite a while. How many targets, even if Dawson Knox didn't have the drop issues, and, and I think these drops issues are more attributed to concentration issues than it is like butterfingers, if you want to call it that. Because the drops, the, he catches the tough balls. He drops, he drops the easy ones. Yep. So it may be it may be running before the catch or something to that to that sort. I asked the question: How many targets is the tight end position going to get, regardless, inside this Buffalo offense? And I think it's I think it's a realistic question to ask because last year you had Stephon Diggs. What it was like 150, 150 targets just about? Yep. Cole Beasley, Cole Beasley, another hundred and ten. Now you add him. I think Gabe Davis had around fifty seven. Now you have, and you're and you're gonna expect Gabe Davis's targets to go up this year. You would assume. Then you add Emmanuel Sanders to take John Brown targets. Who Emmanuel's a little bit, a lot better route runner than John Brown. He's probably gonna get open more, and he's an inside outside guy as well. How many targets are actually left over for the tight end? Because I think last year the Bills tight end unit only had seventy targets out of the three guys. I think it was with Knox, Lee Smith, and um, our man Tyler Croft there. How many targets are actually left? So actually, you're right. It's only 52 targets that they had combined. So, <laughs> so. right, that right, that, and, and that's my point. I think that as fans, we say, "Hey, we need a Travis Kelsey," and that that's that's all good and well. I'm not I'm not knocking Travis Kelsey. I'm, I would never knock having a great tight end, but I just don't feel like Brian Dable's offense is ever going to be made for a tight end to get 100 targets. Maybe even, not even 80. Like I said, I said 70 targets, and that was through three guys. It wasn't just one. There was three guys. Now, Zach Ertz, we know, is a guy who, with, with Carson Wentz, I like to call him, he's, he's a, he was a tight end abuser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was a tight end abuser. <laughs> this guy set the record not even that long ago for 116 receptions in a season. 116 receptions in a season. And, and that record still stands. Now, eventually, Travis Kelsey someone may break that, but... That's a ton of production from the tight end position. And I was talking to you pre-show about this. 
How many tight ends have actually led their team to the Super Bowl or been the main cog? George Kittle? George Kittle didn't win the Super Bowl being the main cog. Travis Kelsey? You can kind of argue, but I so many weapons there, you, you can never say he's right. the main cog. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe the Patriots, but they had two tight ends when they did it most mm-hmm. of the time. Zach Ertz is probably the only active tight end in this league that was literally, literally the main cog on an offense and led and helped lead his team win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And then he still had Trey Burton. Yeah, I I, I think Zach Ertz, man. He he's been one of those mo- one of the most consistent tight ends that probably been in the last what five or six years, and yeah. to your point about you know the target shares, you're absolutely right. Like the there's not gonna be a lot of targets to go around for 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 the tight end position. But I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. So tight end. So Stephon Diggs had 157 total targets, including the playoffs, right? So let's say that number is cut to maybe a hundred. Right, because teams aren't just gonna let Stephon Diggs, you know, run rampant like he did last year. He probably is gonna see way more double coverage, right? And then you're gonna have Gabe Davis, and then you're gonna have Emmanuel Sanders, Beasley. So those off-brand guys, the other guys, as Shaq talks about with basketball, the others are probably gonna be the guys <laughs> that's gonna have to, you know, uh, shoulder some more of those targets. So having a guy like Zach Ertz, having a guy like Dawson Knox, Dawson Knox take a step, having a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, who's a, who's a 34-year-old inside-out guy. These guys will have to step up at some point. And having, and I've said this many times on Twitter before. Many of you guys interacted with me. There is no such thing in the NFL as having too many weapons. No such thing. <laughs> there is. Look at what Kansas City do. They always re-upping weapons, trying to get uh, other players to contribute. They just drafted Cornell Powell, who was actually a pretty good college receiver at Clemson. You know, so you can never have too many weapons. And Dawson Knox said all the right things and saying, hey, this is only going to push me and, and give me some type of competition, and it will. If you're telling me that Zach Ertz is going to come into the season fully healthy and he can give me, let's say, 20, 25 first downs in the season, I'll take that. You know what I mean? Because we want Josh to make smarter decisions. And just to, just to get back here and get on a Josh soliloquy for a little bit, you know, Josh is up getting ready to make a big, big, big amount of money. And I would like to see Josh playing smarter football. Not to say that he didn't play smart football this year. I'm just saying there are times where he he has the maverick type of Brett Favre mentality where he wants to, you know, run through five guys. And, and when you make a $200 million and you're as important to your team as Josh Allen, bringing it back to the Zach Ertz, Zach, a guy like Zach Ertz who can work the middle of the field, who can work those short to intermediate routes, I will hope would discourage Josh from wanting to take those type of risks with his body so Bill's Mafia won't be left with Mitchell Trubisky to have to rely on to win 10 games. So just think about that when, you know, the Bills are, are making moves. Like, think about the long-term effects that it has. And like I said before, you know, Zach Ertz would definitely help, you know, all these areas that the Bills may see some type of, uh, of a problem with this coming season. You made a good point about Zach, I mean, Josh playing smarter football. And I love the fact that you bring up the fa- bring up the fact that he's a gunslinger and he's always probably going to have this Brett Favre type mentality. Yeah. But as they say in Texas Hold'em, you have to know when to fold him, right? Do you think Zach Ertz, being a more secure target in the middle field, being a veteran, being a guy who I I, I go back to set this 
NFL tight end single second season single season ain't even talk today <laughs> um, reception record 116 receptions in 2018. Do you think that that makes a huge difference on Josh Allen, or is Josh Allen just going to be Josh Allen regardless? Like you said, it's back to your, your original point. You have to know when to hold him and when to fold him. He has to play more like Aaron Rodgers than he does Brett Favre. Aaron Rodgers is the master at learning when to run. Now, granted, that last play aside in the NFC Championship game, I know you guys are going to bring that up, but granted that play aside, Aaron has been pretty good at you know knowing when to run, knowing when to take those risks, knowing when to fit it into tight windows. He, 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 he's a master at that. And I would like to see Josh take some type of step in that. As I've mentioned on this show many times, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson both have the lowest check down percentages in the league. And this is because both of those guys love to run. You know, and a guy like Zach Ertz, I think, would definitely discourage him. One of the things that I looked up about Zach Ertz and which I, what I like is that he's actually played more of his snaps in the slot than he has in line. So um, a lot of teams love to run those um, slot slants, those little quick slants that Cole Beasley is just a master at. And so if you can get some first downs that way uh, with Zach Ertz, too, running him as a big slot, that's something that the Bills haven't utilized a lot either, you know, a big slot. So, I mean, if you could show Josh, like, hey, you know, if you just, you know, make these reads and we can get some a different personnel packages on the field, you know, to get you some of these short games and where you don't have to pick up these short games with your legs all the time, I think that will also go into uh, discouraging Josh to run. I'm not saying I don't want Josh to run. All I'm saying is that, when you're making, where you're going to be making upwards of two hundred million dollars, probably thirty plus a year, you can't afford to do stuff like that on a consistent basis. You can't afford to stiff arm five linemen, headbutt linebackers and stuff. You can't afford to do that because you're too you're too important to your team, you know. And look at look at Brady. Look at what Brady does. Brady checks it down. Brady will check it down in a second, and that's why he's been able to you know last so long. Josh Allen just shows me signs of of of, of pause because of his gunslinger mentality. But that's what we love about Josh Allen. We love his gunslinger mentality, but we also have to learn how to be smart, too, also. Speaking about Josh Allen, and this is... Bleacher Report recently released their season prediction, stat predictions for a lot of players, and Josh Allen was one of them. Now, this is obviously pre-Zach Ertz if the Bills make a move, but they're already predicting that Josh is going to throw for a 68% completion percentage, which is pretty high. For a guy who came out to college, they said, would never be able to hit the broad side of a barn, mind you. I just want to throw that in there. <laughs> 5,045 yards, 43 touchdowns, and 9 interceptions. Now, not on this graphic is that they also have him running for, I believe him running for six more rushing touchdowns and around 400 yards. If you add Zach Ertz to that, does, it, does those num- do those numbers change to you at all? I would love to see the rushing, the rushing uh, touchdowns go down. I would love to see, and I and I hate to say it like this, but people, <laughs> I feel like the fans not gonna see the bigger picture. I think I'm the only one that's seeing the bigger picture. Look at what Mike, what happened to Mike Vick when Mike Vick first was in the league. He was the most electrifying thing, you know. That was that was smoking. I mean, you couldn't watch football without seeing Michael Vick because he was, you know, juking everybody left and right, kind of like how Josh does. And then when he got out of jail and he was signed by the Eagles. You know, he changed his game to a more of a pocket presence and kind of just, you know, maneuver his way through the pocket. You can be effective movement-wise, maneuvering yourself through the pocket also. So, I, in terms of his numbers, you got to factor in a little regression. Um, 5,000 yards, 
17 games? Was it, it, it's 17 it's games. 17 games, right. It's 17 right. games. Don't forget that. It, 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 oh, man, because this is all going to be <laughs> contingent on how Dable's going to going to call plays this year. And I only bring that up because McDermott and Brandon Bean have been bringing it up. McDermott, well, that was one of the first things he said in one of his offseason pressers. Like, one of the last ones is like, we got to run the ball better. So is he going to have Dable emphasizing more runs this year? Because if that's the case, then that, those numbers are definitely going to go down. I mean, Drew Brees is like one of the only people, only quarterbacks that has like three or four or 5,000 yard seasons in a row. I, I – I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to be that I don't know guy. I think Josh can get 5,000 yards. I think he can do it, especially with the 17th game. He pushes it down the field enough. But I, I guess I will, for winning purposes, I would want to see that number go down just a touch because I would want to see them have more mm-hmm. balance. That's the only reason I say. But those numbers aren't far-fetched. I just don't see teams letting the Bills just run ramshot again in the passing game, and they're going to have to be kind of like the Kansas City Chiefs. They're going to have to morph into a team pr- – uh, in game where, you know, if the first quarter, the running game is working, then we're going to have to pass second second half. If the running game ain't working, then we're going to have to do some, something different, like morphing into a more team that's that's uh, willing to adapt in game. So I don't know how that's going to look, but I would love to see the Bills take that approach rather than just slinging it all over the yard because that's what they're good at. They're slinging it, man. I, I hear you. I, I hear you, and I, I agree with you, and I've been saying the same thing for three years myself. It doesn't matter what we're saying. It doesn't right. matter what Sean, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter what Sean McDermott says. It right. doesn't matter what Brandon Dean says. Brian Dable's letting that thing fly. You might well, well but, call you might well call Josh Allen Warren Moon, and this is the run and shoot offense at this point. It it, it is, and you're right. It, it is going to be that the way the offense is going to look. But is that going to be conducive long term? Even though we know passing is the most efficient way to move the ball uh, in today's NFL, we know this, but you have to have balance, and that's what this all comes back to. You have to have balance. It has to be like a philosophy. I'm not going to say overhaul because, like you said, Brian Dave was not going to overhaul his philosophy. But Zach Ertz, I, I don't know, man. I don't know how he feeds into that philosophy because he can block. He can, he's, a, he's a willing run blocker. But Jacob Hollister and Dawson Knox are actually two of the better run blocking tight ends in the league, and I don't know, you know what, what their plans are to use with Zach Ertz. You know, this is all such an unknown because we didn't get to see it last year. But in the same vein, this could be a thing where the offense takes a step in terms of transmit transformation, in terms of a different type of personnel packages. Now you can run a three tight end set or now you can run a two tight end set with the big slot. I mean, this is all the things that, you know, look for. And then you could run out of a, a two tight end set with the big slot or you could. Mm-hmm. Do you could pass out of a three tight end set, a, a big heavy formation? I didn't see. We started to see that towards the end of the year. They started to pass out of heavy formations, so that could be something to look out to, for too. We did, and, and I guess when you yeah. talk about from an offensive schematic, right? If you bring in a Zach Ertz, even if you don't bring in a Zach Ertz, you're replacing Lee Smith mm-hmm. with a a pass catcher and an athlete, regardless whether that's Jacob Hollister. He's replacing be replaced with or Dawson Knox, whichever order you would like to replace him in, you're replacing Lee Smith, you're taking Lee Smith off the field. Which I am so I was so ready for. I was I mean, so ready for Lee, Lee Smith, he actually had some good he added some value as a pass blocker though. When they ran those three tight end sets or those two tight end sets, he he added some value and he caught two touchdowns now, though. For somebody who is 
pegged as pigeonholed as a strictly a uh, a blocking tight end. He did catch some passes now, catch some touchdowns. Yeah, because they left him wide open. Hey, listen, I mean, listen man, that that, <laughs> that is like that is like going to play ball and your uncle at the cookout wants to play, and he don't do nothing all season, but they all game, but they leave him wide open for the game winning layup. Because and, he and, and you sick, you sick when you hit that layup too, huh? You gonna <laughs> yeah. be sick. Yep. Yeah. You gonna be sick. And, and you would not pick him in. You would not pick him the next time around either. <laughs> you show <sure> with it. <laughs> okay. You show sure oh, with it. Boy. So this oh, is man. this is very similar to that. So from just an offensive schematic point, and and someone brought up a good point. I think it was my guy. I was saying, I think it's my guy Lone Wolf here. He says, mm-hmm. is Knox a better athlete than Ertz? And I mean, that's a good question to ask at this point in time of Ertz's career. Yeah. If so, then it's just a question of whether he could be more reliable this season. If you brought Ertz in, what does it do for Dawson Knox if he moves to tight end number two now? Because now you're giving him a little bit less priority, a little bit less responsibility, but possibly a better matchup. And, and you just talked about two tight end sets. Mm-hmm. I think if... They were to elevate. First of all, let me say this. I would not love the idea of putting Zach Ertz as your number one. This is why. We talked about this before we got on air, Jeremy. He has a lengthy injury history dating back to college. He was hurt before he even got into the NFL. But when he was in college, he had a sprained knee. But this is his his injury history since he's been in the league. So this is from his rookie year to now. He has a groin tear, two concussions, separated ribs, hamstring, lacerated kidney, rib fracture, and then he hurt his ankle last year. So if you're relying on that to be your tight end one, who I mentioned at the beginning of the show will turn 31 at the begin at, when the season rolls around. I, I'm not very confident that I would not want to rely on Zach Ertz to get maybe 50 targets or maybe 50 to 70 targets, you know, a year. I would rather put that in Dawson, Knox, especially since Dawson is showing that, hey, I am putting in the time. I'm putting in the work to be better at catching. I realize that my on target drops are an issue. My coach has said it. My GM has said it. So now I'm working. I am not a fan of bringing in older guys to take opportunities away from young guys. I have said that many times because that's the issue I have with Jason Witten, taking opportunities away from younger guys. I love Zach Ertz. He would definitely add a, a, a element to this offense of, of reliability. And that's the biggest thing. Can I rely on you to catch tough catches? He has quite a few contested catches, actually, Zach Ertz does, on his resume for his career. Obviously, with the injuries, they have gone down in the past couple years. But he can make plays as a contested catch guy. So if you can give me some some touchdowns, some easy touchdowns in the red zone, some easy first down, I think that's a valuable thing to have. I wouldn't pay top dollar for it, but I think it's, val- it's, it's valuable to have. And I would definitely keep Dawson Knox as the number one tight end because he can block in the passing game and in the running game, and he's showing signs of getting better. Do you think $8 million, and that's what you're going to pay for Zach Ertz if you make this mm-hmm. trade, do you think allocating $8 million to Zach Ertz is too much money? Because in reality, when you talk about money allocation, we really don't have anything allocated to the tight end position of anything substantial. Mm-hmm. $8 million. I'm a cheap guy, man. I, everybody always quotes me on saying that I, I look for a cheap talent, and I do. And I don't think an $8 million cap hit for a 31-year-old injury-prone tight end, I don't think that's a smart decision. If we can get that number to four or even three, I would love that even more. But as I just looked, Zach Ertz is currently is making like, what are like the fifth or sixth highest salary per year for a tight end right now. So I, I don't know if he's willing to take a pay cut like that, but you got to ask yourself, will he take that cut to be on a winning team? I would – most certainly make that a stipulation if I'm Brandon being like, yo, listen, if you come in here, you're going to have to take a pay cut. 
Because, like I said, $8 million, he almost going to be making as much as Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes. And we know how much you hate those two, so I, I, I don't I never know. Said, I've never said <laughs> I hated either one of those guys. I, I've never said that. I just said specifically Jerry Hughes. We go, we 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 go, we put too much galore on his name. That's all I've ever said. Oh, I don't no. hate. I don't hate anybody in the Bills organization. Okay, hate is such a strong word. Excuse me. It's very strong. You know, too, we know your we know your disdain for Jerry Hughes and his contract. So think of if if Zach Ertz is making eight million and he's hurt, <laughs> you know, and, or he's on the sideline. How would you feel about that? Same way I felt about Starla Tulay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you asked the question, man. The same way I felt about Starla too late making his 10 not playing. The same way I, I feel, I'll probably feel about Matt Milano if he goes down again with his nine. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, I can't do nothing about it. So, but you, I, but you can gripe, you can gripe about it though. But like I'm saying, yeah. since the history is there, since we're going off of history, signing him for eight million would not be a smart move. Because then you're okay, telling so, me. And, and technically trade. But, well, yeah. Not to cut you off. Not to cut you off. No, you're good. So, would you rather trade a fifth round? And, I, and we'll get into what our, what we think is proper compensation. Because I want mm-hmm. to see what your compensation is for Zach Kurtz at this point. Do you think that the Bills, if they, if they really want him, they should trade for him? Or wait and see if this situation just completely dissolves in Philly. And then ultimately end up cutting him. Because that's what's going to happen if they don't get a deal done. Me personally, as a guy who wants cheap talent, I will wait to see if they cut him. Because it's not like teams are well, I don't know this for a fact, but it's not like teams are clamoring to get Zach Ertz on their team. It's not like, you know, teams are out to trade for him or sign him. I'm not I do not want to give up compensation to get him. Major okay. compensation. In terms of in for me, I feel like a fifth round pick, I'd rather take a, a flyer on a fifth round tight end that's stupid athletic like Dawson Knox than wow. rather than trade that for uh for for Zach Ertz. That wow. that's my that's my opinion. Just because that draft pick can probably bring me back more value than a thirty-one year old tight end, or the, dis- do, or the disrespect. Listen, you gotta be listen. You gotta be smart. You can't factor in the, the fact that you like these players and what they did in the past. What have they done for you lately? Oh, Again, okay. I'm a Zach. I'm a Zach Ertz fan. I like Zach Ertz. I pick him. I used to pick him every year in fantasy because I knew I was gonna get at least ten catches a game from him. But we cannot ignore the fact that the last three seasons he's been hurt, and he's turning thirty-one. I'm okay. not giving up a fifth. I'm not giving up a fifth-round pick. Sixth round, seventh round. Okay. Okay. Then okay. all right. Okay. But let, 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 let's go over the old part because I think okay. that the old part and he's washed up part. I think that's severely overblown. I think I, I don't know. I didn't. I did not use the word "washed up." I did what, not use what, the word what, "washed you, up." You pretty. You pretty much called no, the no, no. You, Yeah. Yes, no, you no, did. No. You and other fans have pretty much called this man washed up. It's, it's a whole bunch of comments in this chat that says "old," "slow," "too." T- uh, hell, I'm surprised somebody didn't use the word "tired." Yet. Well, he never. Be, he's never been fast. He's never. He 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 can no. get some yak now. He can get some yak, but he's <laughs> never been a fast guy. But I, the old comments come in because it was like LeBron. I was watching LeBron's um, The Shop interview yesterday, the one we had with Jay-Z. Mm. And he was explaining his comment about, you know, waking up waking up, and as soon as you enter the NFL at, uh, or the NBA, excuse me, at like 20, 21 or 22, he said you're 99.9% healthy. And he said from there it goes downhill every year. He said it don't matter 
how old you are. You're always hurt. You always feel hurt. And I just listed you all the injuries he sustained. He sustained an injury every single year he's been in the league. So, therefore, with that culminating, mm-hmm. yes, he is old. He has a okay. lengthy hi- injury history, and he's plus 30. And, or, excuse me, going to be plus 30 when the season starts. So, yes, and by those standards and by athletic standards, yes, he is old. And it, you have to kind of take yourself back and be like, hey, I got a young Jacob Hollister. I got a young Dawson Knox. Is this a move that will put me closer to beating the Chiefs? That's a question for you. Will this move bring them closer to beating the Chiefs? I think so. I think it will. And to me, okay, so now I have to re- I have to reach into the bag. I gotta reach, reach in. in. I gotta reach, reach in. into the bag because I think that this is. I think calling this man old and it, I think it's just. I think it's over the top. Okay, I, I think that Zach Ertz was an. Obviously, we seeing as we're seeing now a very very dysfunctional Eagles organization last year. All right. The, the, the quarterback looked awful. You, you had the coach, you had the quarterback arguing with the head coach. You had the head coach arguing with the GM. And it doesn't even seem like the problems are even getting better there in Philly. Because if you look at the, the draft interview, draft Tom Donahoe, Don, Don mm-hmm. which is the former Bills GM, was super pissed off. Howie Roseman for taking what was it, the D tack or something he took? D Milton Williams. Milton yeah. Williams for Latte. So you have a lot of factors there. But we talk about what have you done for me lately. We knew that they were relegating Zach Ertz to number two tight end because they wanted Dallas Goddard to take that step up last year. In twenty nineteen, he played fifteen games. In 2018, he played 16 games. Just in tw- I'm sorry, 18. Just in 2018, he just set the record for tight ends receptions in a year for 116, 163 yards. That was three years ago. Okay, he sustained three injuries since then. Okay, so what about 2019? Are we just going to throw 2019 out the window? 88 catches, 916 yards. We're not going to throw that out the window because that is a historic year. We can't throw it out the window. No, I'm talking about 2019. Not 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 18. Oh. Now I'm talking about the year before last year, before the dysfunction started in Philly, with the switching mm-hmm. of the quarterback. Like I'm 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 okay with completely throwing Zach Ertz 2020 year completely out the window, and I'm normally not. I'm I'm I am normally not, but I'm completely okay with throwing it completely out the window because Philly was completely dysfunctional, and it was the Philly that we come to know. Just in 2019. He had 88 catches for 916 yards. That's only one year. His his quarterback rating retarding the last two years, outside of last season with 50%, was 98% and then 96% for QB rating targeting him. You can't throw that all out the window. And I also have to bring in the fact that, once again, coming to Buffalo, I understand the injury history, but and I keep saying this, the best training staff, the best training facility in the NFL. Here, here's where I'm going to push back on that just a little bit. Now, you say that a lot about the, the, the Buffalo has the best training staff, and to a certain degree, I think it's true because Cole Beasley echoed those same sentiments. But can we say that when two years ago Jerry Hughes sustained a wrist injury that he did not tell anyone about, can we say that when Stephon was, Diggs was playing with a torn oblique, can we say that when Cole Beasley was playing with a broken leg? Can we say that when Gabe Davis was playing with an ankle? Mm-hmm. I mean, best medical staff in, in the league is cool, but, I mean, these dudes still going to get hurt at a certain point. 
Mm-hmm. I would like to move from this perspective. Zach Ertz wouldn't have to be relied on to play a bunch of snaps where he could open himself up to more injury. Again, I love Zach Ertz. I'm going to keep saying it. I love him, and if the Bills were tra- are going to trade for him, I would not be poo-pooing the move at all. But I am not giving up major compensation for an older tied in with an injury injury history. As I've just stated, you know, all these dudes get hurt. All these dudes are always hurt. If you play any type of sport, you're going to always be hurt. It, it's just uh, it comes with it. When you're moving the fastest you can and colliding with other big human beings, you're just going <laughs> to be hurt all the time. So with that in mind, I am not – I would rather get a younger body there. I would rather rely on a younger body. Zach Ertz has been a productive tight end. But honestly, you can be a productive tight end if you get pumped 120 targets a year. Just, let's just be honest. You, you can get, if your offense is geared to pump you 120 targets, you, you can put up great numbers. You know what I mean? Look at Stephon Diggs. He got pumped 157 targets, and people are saying now he's the best wide receiver in the league when the years prior to that he had 3,000-yard seasons. So your numbers can look inflated based on the amount of uh, targets you're pumped. But at 31, I am not gonna. I am not trying to rely on that. I would rather okay. take a shot at Dawson Knox and see where his development lies because it's more. There's a wider range of outcomes there there is with Dawson Knox than there is with Zach Ertz. Okay, so if Zach Ertz came to Buffalo, and, and shout out to my man James Mallory on the check in. Yeah, and I knew. It, yo, I knew Mallory's gonna be somewhere lurking. Her. I knew you know he's coming for I was, you. I was just thinking. I was like, where is Mallory, bro? I was like, yo, I know Mallory's gonna be here somewhere. He always, he always ready, bro. He always ready. I love and, and, and he makes a good point though. He says the man. best medical staff doesn't stop playing for me. Mean they stop playing from getting injuries. That means they are great with rehab and maintenance, which is a great point because, like you just stated, Cole Beasley played with a broken leg. Stefan Diggs was able to play with the torn oblique, and Gabe Diggs was was able to play with the messed up ankle. So they are the rehab process is sped up with Buffalo. We can definitely say that. We saw Josh Allen go down that Raider game, and I thought he was going to be out for a couple of weeks, and mm-hmm. the dude was fine. So I, if Zach Ertz came to Buffalo, and this is hypothetical, what compensation did you give up to get him, and what numbers are you as targets, yards, maybe even TDs? Are you predicting for? All right. Compensation. Yeah. I am giving up maybe a sixth or seventh rounder. Conditional, rounder or, unga- conditional or unconditional? Unconditional. Definitely unconditional. Okay. 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 I'm giving up a sixth or seventh rounder. Fifth rounder and up, obviously, is out of the question. Again, 31 years old. We have to look at this long term. <laughs> if he was still productive and he wasn't as injury prone as he was, then I will maybe I will maybe meet you halfway, but I can't meet you halfway because I have to think about the team. Secondly, eight million dollars too rich for my blood. If we can talk five or four, okay, restructure that thing, we prorate that, prorate something, okay. Um, in terms of targets and yards, I see about maybe fifty targets. I would be expecting at least six or seven touchdowns due to the fact he is very sure-handed. I expect six or seven touchdowns, and I think that's a, that's a lot. Playing in a tight end two or tight end three role, I think that's a lot. And I think he can do some damage there, and I think that's where he can carve out his niche and be an effective contributor on his team. And he will have to wrap his mind around being an effective contributor. Not 116 targets and 109 catches, Zach Ertz, 
contributor Zach Ertz who's going to make key blocks, that's going to catch first downs, that's going to catch open touchdowns. That is the role I can see Zach Ertz being most effective for this Bills team. Okay. So for me, in terms of conversation, I agree that he's at this point, because the Eagles have no leverage, and obviously they've been trying to trade this dude for like four months now, and you, and you have not been able to get a deal done, mean, meaning you have no leverage. The team's like, nah, bro, we're we, we not – we're not hearing what you're talking about. Uh, this is what we offer and take it or leave it. This is a stalemate, and ultimately they're going to end up cutting them if they can't get what they want, which is, in my mind, is idiotic. You might well get something. So if I'm Buffalo, I don't think a fifth-round pick is major compensation. I'm, I'll give them mm-hmm. an unconditional fifth-round pick. And the reason being, there's not many Matt Milano's walking around in the fifth round. Okay? And I know that's what Bill's fans are going to lose to. What about Matt Milano? What about Sarandon was a fifth-round pick too, correct? Uh, somewhere around there, yeah. Somewhere around there. It, there are certain players like, but I'm doing it to get the deal done now. Because the yeah. problem that you have is if he gets cut, and this goes to a question that we have on our screen here. Um, if, he, if Jason Taylor asks, if he gets cut by the Eagles, what are the odds you give him for signing with Buffalo? This now becomes a 5-6-7-8 to six to seven to eight team race to get Zach Ertz. And I'm going to give the upper hand to the NFC East. Why? Because we see players make this mistake time and time again. They want to get that get back. Mm-hmm. They want to get that get back at the team. I want to face you twice a year. It normally doesn't work out for them too well. They usually split mm-hmm. a game. Neither team makes the playoffs, some crap like that. The reason I'm doing this is because if you think you're that close, and I do think that Buffalo is this, it, it, we're that close to the Chiefs. Like I think you said a couple weeks ago, we're far away, but we're not as far away as some people think we are. I think Zach Ertz, he brings a championship. Once again, we talk about the, we bring up the word championship pedigree. He brings a championship pedigree to Buffalo. He brings a high caliber work ethic to Buffalo. He brings a very good attitude to Buffalo. But I think you give the fifth round pick. And that's all you get. It's not conditional. Whether he has a thousand yards and you move up to the second or third, no, 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 no. You get a fifth. This is what we're giving you. We're gonna get the deal done. He's here. As far as his predictions for his stats, if he's here in Buffalo, I think you're looking at 64, 60 to sixty-five targets. That's half of what he's got in his entire career. I think you're looking at maybe forty-five receptions. I'm thinking maybe about four to maybe about five hundred yards. Maybe four or five touchdowns. Because when people say we need a reliable red zone target, I think that's incorrect. Dawson Knox has been a reliable red zone target through his career. That is completely false. We said he's dropped some easy balls in the middle of the field, like third and fives and second and eights and stuff like that. But he's always been a reliable red zone target. So that's completely false. But I would do the fifth. And if you want to bring the contract down, fine. Do what you do with Stephon Diggs. Restructure the deal. Turn half, in the, turn half that deal into... Um, the roster bonus, and you create four million dollars of space. If not, it doesn't matter. End of the year, you're gonna get the deal anyway. If he's if he if, if it blows up in your face, it's not gonna hurt you none. But I think a fifth round pick, I don't think that's that bad for a team that's in the Super Bowl window. Here, here, here's my here's my pushback on that. Right. So the Bills, the reason I'm not giving the first fifth round pick because I I'm the Bills mm-hmm. is because the Bills have been one of the better teams at drafting late. And not only drafting late, but drafting people who can contribute on the team late. I can only think of the Rams who have been better at better than the Bills at drafting players late and having them come in and contribute. 
So with that in mind, a fifth round pick may be more valuable to the Bills than it would be a team like the Vikings or any other team you throw out there because teams have shown that they don't make the correct decisions when it comes to drafting. But the Bills, again, have been one of the better teams at drafting. That's number one. So that's why I wouldn't give up the fifth round pick because the Bills are very adept at drafting. And so secondly, I agree with you about the get back thing. And teams always go – Players always go to the teams that, you know, is in their division that they have seen the most. I hate that, but, you know, that's just kind of what they are because players are creatures of habit. So you you said it was going to be an eight-team race, but out of those eight teams, maybe one or two of them may be a contender to win a Super Bowl. Maybe. The Bills are like one of – there's only like four or five teams that are like in the Super Bowl window, in the AFC to be specific. Bills, uh, obviously the Chiefs. Maybe Baltimore, and who else besides them? Like so, so asking yourself at this point in his career, is he going to prioritizing prioritize getting back at a bum Eagles team that really don't have any talent at this moment in time, or is it going to be prioritizing winning and winning a Super Bowl? So those are the it, things. And, and, and Ertz seems like a guy that wants to win. Right. You know, so I go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And, and I'm gonna give you a little nugget here, a little rumor because uh, Jason Demon asked. If this is going to happen, it wouldn't have happened already. No, absolutely not. This is the proper time for this to happen because people know that the Eagles were trying to tax them and they weren't going to be taxed. Um, teams weren't going to be taxed. They weren't going to be fooled. Like, like too much of EJ points. Yes, he is 31. He's going to be 31. He is coming off some injury history problems and his production was way down last year. Teams are not going to play the mid-round pick that they probably would have paid two years ago or even mm-hmm. possibly a year ago. For Zach Ertz. So, no, this is the proper time for this move to happen. Plus, the Eagles had to wait to post June 1st to make the move anyway to take the cap penalty and the cap hit down. Anthony Farrell, my guy, our guy Anthony, gave me a little rumor. And I don't know how true it is, but I'm going to say it anyway. said that there was a rumor floating around that Zach Ertz has already visited the city of Buffalo three times during this process. Listen, if he if he came here, <laughs> he he would de- he would definitely change the, the the dynamics of this team, and he would be a key contributor. The only issue I'm having with this discussion that we're having currently is the fact of the compensation. What am I giving up to get him? Is he worth that? Just the same thing we had with the Julio Jones thing. What am I giving up to get him? Am I closing my Super Bowl window by giving up? compensation to get this guy or is the compensation going to be cool he's already visited okay so he's already visited the city of buffalo three times so if i if he gets cut and there's eight teams are you telling me that buffalo's going to be the front runner then buffalo they should have be up the there. money they should if right. he's smart if he's smart they should be up there that should be up there zach Ertz strikes me as a very smart smart went guy to Stan- went to stanford they, they uh richard sherman christian mccaffrey great pedigree David Shaw, great pedigree at, at Stanford, and they're tight in you. If you want a good tight end, go to Stanford. So he's a smart guy. So you're telling me, based on that rumor, that the Bills are one of the front-runner teams to land Zach Ertz. Everything is aligning properly right now. Everything is coming together based on what you just said. The money is there. The comfort of the city is there. The team fit is there. Everything is there. So Buffalo – Honestly, should wait like they've been doing. Buffalo always going to wait. They always going to wait. They're one of the most conservative franchises <laughs> in the NFL. They're not the gung-ho guys. Stephon Diggs' move was aside. They're not really the gung-ho type. But everything is aligning. 
and the Bills are in the front, one of the front runners to land Zach Ertz if they really want him. I honestly, personally, don't feel they don't even need Zach Ertz to be quite honest with you. That's my personal opinion. Well, but I I agree with you. Like I said, we he he's not bad to have. Like, and I go back to the point that I keep saying people like you need a top tight end. I don't. I still don't realize. Even with Zach Ertz, I still don't know how much the tight end is going to be a part of this offense. I, like I said, I only gave him sixty five tar- targets. That's yeah. 65 reception. I only gave him 65 targets at best, um, yeah. and and that's with split. That's with possibly playing three fourths of the time outside of Dawson Knox. Mm-hmm. Like if this was a more valuable position, like tight ends, tight end is becoming a more valuable position. Like you started off the show by saying, you don't need to have a great tight end to win a Super Bowl. You don't need that. You know, if this was a cornerback we were talking about or an edge rusher before the draft. And we have we're talking about compensation. This is one of these more valuable positions, or it was a guard or whatever. Then okay, we can talk about some fair compensation packages. But tight end is a is a is a is a position that is good to have some good production from. But you don't need high end production to win a Super Bowl. Tra- see Travis Kelsey and George Kittle have kind of skewed people's minds. But you don't need a great tight end to to win a Super Bowl. It, it helps. It's nice. It adds another dimension to your offense when your tight end can run. And dominate twenty plus yards down the field, but you you don't need it. So if this was a more valuable position, my tune would be different. But he he doesn't have a lot of value to me in the long term. Let's so just say Buffalo gave him a fourth round pick for Zachers because that was I a rumor this week too. I think that rumor was gar. I don't think it was trash. Yeah. I don't think it was true. But um, what would your angle, your anger level be? If if I'm a if I'm a diehard Bills fan, it'd be a nine and a half. Again, I just alluded to how... Out of what? Out of 10? Out of 10, yeah. Because I just alluded to you how good... The thing is with tight ends, though, is that you rather take an uber-athletic tight end late. There is not... Like you said before, Jim, before we got on, there is not many Kyle Pitts that are running around in college football right now. There, there are not that many. And when one of those guys becomes available, then that's when you take them first round. But you can take a tight end... In the fourth round, as I mentioned before, you can take a tight end in the fourth round that can give you similar or more production than Zach Ertz can. I know you guys probably saying, oh, he's putting a lot of emphasis on unknown draft picks, but you you got to put an emphasis on your long-term future also. You know, so why am I invest, uh, investing major capital into a 31-year-old with an injury history? Like, that's the way I have to look at it. Yes, he set the tight end record, but you have to look at the tight end position as a whole and how can I cut costs and how can I get cheap, good talent out of there. Dable is one of the best guys at scheming people open. I've seen uh, uh, McVeigh do it. I've seen Shanahan do it, and Dable's really good at it too. So if Dable had a piece, let's say if they drafted Brevin Jordan like we were prognosticating, I think they could get the same production out of Brevin Jordan as they could out of a Zach Ertz. Yeah, I, you know, I, fifth round pick. I, you may be right. You may be right. Mm-hmm. But all I know is the Chiefs made some moves, and we, we brought this up when we had the Julio Hot Topic show, on um, Julio Jones Hot Topic show. The, the Chiefs have made moves. Buffalo did make some moves to get a little bit better. I think that this move right here, if you can get him for a fifth round with pick, and yeah, possibly rework his contract a little bit, I think it's a no brainer at that point. I don't think it hurts you any. Even if he's on, the, even if he's on the sideline, he gets hurt. You're just going back to what you did in 2020. Mm-hmm. But if he's somewhat, what, somewhat the, the Zach Ertz that we've come to know, then yeah, you just got another weapon. As you said earlier in the show, you can never have too many, too many weapons. So, if any yeah. final thoughts, man, before we get up off this thing? Yeah, you can never have too many weapons. Um, Stephon Diggs, 
is going to be a great uh, wide receiver for years to come, but he needs help. He's going to need help because teams are going to start doubling him. And I want people to think about that when, they're, when they say, hey, let's bring in a Julio Jones or, hey, let's bring in a Zach Ertz. Think about how differently teams are going to play him. Team, he's going to be on the top of teams, you know, uh, scouting report this year. You know, before it was like, oh, Stephon Diggs from Minnesota, you know, he's good, but is he great? And so now they sound like he was great now. So now that he command those double teams, now the safety got to stand on his hash now. So now they got to double him. So now it's going to cause the other guys to have to step up and be better. So having a guy like Zach Ertz will help. Having a guy like Emmanuel Sanders will help. And then Gabe Davis taking another step. Cole Beasley. All these guys are going to have to step up because they are not going to let Stephon Diggs just go run ramp shot this year. So moves like getting Zach Ertz or Julio Jones will only benefit a team like the Bills whose Super Bowl window is open. You know, Anthony Farrell leaves, leaves a good point. Forget to forget to mention or didn't hear it, but this will be good for a running game too. And this is not necessarily Zach Ertz running the football. It's moving the linebackers and moving the safeties and shifting the box count. Box, box count. count. You got it. Box count. So, hey, man, I think this was a good, uh, good, a good episode. Hopefully, you guys tuned in. If you guys did tune in today, please make sure that you guys are getting over there. Uh, to www.discover716.com to check our friends over there at Discover16. They're putting a lot of college students and interns in programs to get their uh, job hunt started, get their feet wet in things for marketing, branding, broadcasting, broadcasting, you, na you name it. Damien and the guys over there are getting everything set for these young kids. So make sure you're donating to them and give them a shot. And stay tuned. We got some big things coming up with Buffalo uh, 716 Day. We're looking to raise a lot of money for 716. I'm not going to get out the details yet, but those are going to be coming out later. Um, we're going to get real charitable. We're going to see how, charity, how charitable Bill's Mafia can be. Uh, final thoughts on Zach Ertz. If it's for a fifth-round pick or lower, I think if it's for a fifth-round pick, you think about it, I say you do it. If it's anything less than a fifth-round pick, unconditional, I say go for it. If it's a sixth-round or seventh-round, that's conditional pick. They say, hey, this guy has 800 yards receiving. He goes to a fourth. Well, if he had 800 yards receiving, that means... It worked in your favor. Go ahead and give it up. Move on. But I think it's a no-brainer. I think he's a, a culture fit, a schematic fit, and I think it gets us that much closer to the Chiefs. I don't think he's washed up. I don't think he's old. I don't think he's done. I just think he was in a really bad situation in Philly last year, mentally and physically, and probably emotionally as well. I think Buffalo can fix that for him. So if we can get it done, get it done. If not, I'm still cool what we got. I got faith in my man Dawson Knox. I think we're a little too hard on the kid. But hey, we'll see how it rebounds. He said he'd been in the lab. We're going to see. We're going to see. But hey, guys, I'm your uh, host, JT. Got my co-host in the building, EJ Dames. We'll catch you next time on another hot topic. Yes, sir. Zach Hurts, come to Buffalo.